Candid Christian Conversations is a Stand Firm Media production. Hello and welcome to Candid Christian Conversations. I'm Hank and today I'm going to be joined by Rick and we're going to talk about, which is my toughest subject, forgiveness. Rick, how are you? I'm good. Uh, Less than an hour ago, I was crying because I watched the video of Matthew West singing the song Forgiveness. Awesome. Are you familiar with that? I've heard about it, but I don't know um, off the top of my head. I don't know. I highly recommend that you and all listeners go to YouTube, look up Forgiveness by Matthew West, and then watch the video that has the story behind the song. And then when you read some of the words in that song and you think of what the story being told is, if you're like me, you're going to cry. I, I've cried many times hearing that song. Oh, man. Ooh. Powerful story. He wrote a whole album that was intentionally solicited stories from his fans and then turned them into songs. And this one's beautiful. Powerful song. Powerful song. I've seen him in concert. So. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to get clinical here. It's going to be uh, forgiveness. Uh, the definition first says in the dictionary, the action or process of forgiving or being forgiven. And then I liked Wikipedia's version better. It says forgiveness in a psychological sense is the intentional and voluntary process by which one who may initially feel victimized undergoes a change in feelings and attitude regarding a given offense and overcomes negative emotions such as resentment and vengeance. So revenge. So first things first, Rick, what does forgiveness mean to you personally? I feel a great sense of forgiveness because I've needed it plenty of times in my life. And in a spiritual sense, I have a powerful awareness of the weight of my sin, that it is the reason Christ went to the cross. And knowing how much I've been forgiven, I have to be compelled to forgive others even when my flesh doesn't want to. And um, in listening to that definition you read, uh, the one thing was about a, a perceived harm or you feel like you were harmed. Sometimes it's actually you were harmed. Uh, There are people that someone did something terrible to them that they still have to forgive. And there's a psychological element in there. God made us as whole beings. Our our mind and our thoughts is, is a part of that. And, you know, if we don't forgive, we we carry a weight around in our head, you know, with that issue until we until we can overcome it, until we can forgive to deal with that. And I've had to forgive some things that I, I really hope you never, ever go through the experience of having to deal with that particular things that I've gone through. What is it about forgiveness that makes it so challenging, in your opinion? Our memories and our flesh, a gut level reaction to anything that happens to us, you know, is our first response. And we can't go with that because it's usually not a good a good response. When someone hurts you, when when there's something that needs forgiveness, some things are small things, you know, you have to forgive someone because they were late and it upset your schedule. Okay, that's pretty easy to forgive, right? Someone who does something devastating to you, that's hard to overcome. There's emotional damage, there's maybe psychological damage, there might be physical damage. Uh, there's a lot of things to remind you of what happened, that even when you say, I've forgiven, 
a song, a smell, the weather can just remind you of something that triggers you. And then, and you can go right back to that moment and all those feelings rush back in, you know, that you thought you eradicated when you decided to forgive someone. This is the one, this is the, I hate to use this term, but I'm going to, because I don't know any other way to put it, but this is the loophole I've been stuck in for years. And I want you to correct me if this is incorrect. If the person who has wronged us never has any remorse, do we still have to forgive them? And where I get this from is Luke, the book of Luke, chapter 17. So we'll go to 17.3. Start at 3. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. So what I have always pulled out of these verses is the critical action that the other person is supposed to take, according to the scriptures, which is repentance. But I have had people do heinous things to me that we're never sorry for. So how do I reconcile that and move forward from that? Well, here's the thing. I, I'm going to say you're wrong. And I'm going to say because that scripture isn't saying that you forgive them only if they repent. Okay. It's saying if they repent, you forgive them. And and there isn't a place that actually says that I don't believe there's anywhere that says you're off the hook to not forgive someone. Okay. Okay. And what I would say is in the Lord's Prayer, he says, you know, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive our trespasses against us, right? Yep. In that, it doesn't talk about those people being sorry for what they've done to you. Okay. Okay. Another aspect is in communion. When Paul writes about communion in 1 Corinthians 15, and he talks about the situation they were having in the church there. And he warned people to deal with their sin before they take communion. And uh, Jesus was the one who said, you know, if you're going to the altar with a sacrifice and you remember on your way that you have a problem with somebody, you're supposed to turn back, make things right with that person, and then go present your offering to God. Okay? Okay. So how we treat others can interfere with our relationship with God and with us getting forgiveness from him, even though he's always willing to forgive. And yes. We're commanded to confess our sins to be forgiven, but that's us talking to God, God who is perfect and we who are not. It's not talking about between one another. In the section you quoted, it would appear to say that. I, I'll, I'll agree with that stipulation that on a surface level reading, you could look at that and say, someone comes to me and I forgive them. But I forget the exact reference now when Peter asked him, how many times should I forgive? And Jesus said 70 times seven, right? And and there's debate about that. <laughs> Some translators say, well, it should mean 70 plus seven and 77 times. And others say, do the multiplication and it's 490 times. The point is, either way, you don't keep track. And at some point, reach the point where you have to stop. You can just stop forgiving and you're off the hook. Right. Okay. God never stops forgiving us. You know, Christ went to the cross and died for us before we turned to him. You know, Romans 5, 8. So I don't see 
the option to not forgive someone. And that has to include people that aren't sorry for what they did. Okay. You know. On that, I would just ask you, are there other passages in the Bible that give clarity on the matter of forgiveness? Well, yeah, there's a number. And forgiveness is mentioned a lot of times in in various contexts, along with other things as just part of Christian context, the way that we're supposed to live. When um, Paul is writing in in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, he's got this list at the end of chapter 4. There's five or six verses in a row where he cites a number of things of how we're supposed to be different from the way we were before we were saved. And in verse 32, he says, be kind. This is from the NIV translation. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Now, these passages are talking about Christians and mostly in dealing with other Christians. So the idea that my brother in Christ is going to need me to forgive him means we're all going to mess up sometime and need to be forgiven for something. Right. I think the only difference, though, is if we are in Christ, we are compelled by the Holy Spirit and moves our heart in a way that we want that forgiveness. Whereas the secular world tends to just keep walking on like nothing ever happened. You're talking about when I, when I've messed up and then the spirit convicts me right. and I know, hey, I got to go. I got to go to Hank and apologize for what I said. Yes. As opposed to a person that has no faith at this current time and, right. they, and they just keep moving and maybe never bring it up again. It's a different relationship dynamic for sure. I did something wrong once to a coworker. And I felt guilty about it. And I went to apologize. And he wasn't a Christian and he didn't understand and he didn't care that I apologized. It didn't mean anything to him. But it meant something to me okay. because I knew I had to I had to do what was right and say I was sorry for for what I did wrong. You know, the fact whether he accepted it or forgave me or whatever, I dealt with my conscience because I knew the spirit was convicting me that hey, you know, you you said the wrong thing when you talked to him that way. Okay. I've been in the position, I can't give certain details because there's people that would know know this story and know who's all involved, okay? But there was a, a family situation and a, a person did something that really, really hurt me. And as a result, in my mind, I started to dredge up and recall every little thing they'd ever done that slighted me that they didn't apologize for. Okay. And I held it against them. And it was bad. I, I was wrong. And it was bad for a long time, like five years. And it was like when we were in one another's presence at a family function, usually I would leave by reducing that person to tears through an argument. Oh, wow. Before I left, because that would satisfy me. I felt good that I had hurt them back. And I did this for, for a while. And um, my wife and I went to a marriage conference and part of the marriage conference was dealing with your past and, and repairing things. And one of the exercises we had to do was about our parents. And we were told, instead of thinking about negative things that happened, write a letter and state every positive thing you could think of that they had ever done. You know, if your mom's cookies were good, if your dad taught you how to whittle, you whatever, any little thing that you could be positive about, 
put it on paper and then give that to them as a letter, as a way of uh, letting them know, you know. And um, I had to go back to my hotel room during the break and call this person. And I just said, and I was in tears and said, I'm forgiving you. I'm going to forgive you for everything that you don't even realize you did that hurt me, that, that has been bothering me, that I've been harping on. And I'm just going to let it all go, whether you're sorry for it or not. I'm not going to mention it again. Will you forgive me for the way I've been? And when we see each other again, I'm not going to mention any of this stuff anymore. And we've had a great relationship for over 20 years since then. I mean, really, really great. That's awesome. But that's that was the point I had to reach. And it was hard for me. In my family, it stems from my dad. He was not always a, an ordained minister. You know, before mm -hmm. that, he was a drinker and, a, and a, you know, abusive and all, all sorts of things. Did all sorts of heinous things. I remember growing up, that's why I started boxing and training and all that kind of stuff, because I was concerned of the day that I would have to defend myself. Mm -hmm. But then he came to Christ and he did jailhouse ministry. He'd go to other churches and preach. And, and one day I looked at him. And it was just like looking at a totally different human being. Mm -hmm. And that's the day I forgave him. But still, when he met his end, it was, to me, still one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen, how he was treated, how he was mm -hmm. forced from his home, how he was forced into a nursing home, how he was mm -hmm. immediately put on. He had never taken prescription medicines in his life. He had a shoebox full of prescription medicines prescribed to him. Because they get paid. I don't know if people understand this, but hospice places get paid per prescription that they put you on. And then beds are tight. So they have every uh, incentive, financial incentive to churn beds fast mm -hmm. as they can. And to me and to a few other people, it was disgusting. And it was a family member in particular that orchestrated all of this. And so... She doesn't speak to me anymore, and this is the one I, I really struggle with. I'm not going to lie to you because mm -hmm. she meticulously premeditated acts that led to all of this. And it's hard when somebody's diabolical and, and they're not, and they, maybe they claim scripture, but they're not showing any semblance of scripture reading or understanding or mm. or applying and it feels looks like revenge and a money grab it was just very very challenging she doesn't speak to me she wrote a form letter she wrote the entire family a form letter that never apologized that just said you know she did this that and this and you know never said i'm sorry never said it was wrong nothing and i was just like man you know it's just the biggest hurdle I have in my life. That sounds very difficult to to go through that and to overcome that. Yeah, that's hard. I think you have to you have to reach a point to forgive. You're mandated, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're mandated to have a relationship. That's what I want to get into. There's someone that um, you know how someone can be part of the family legally and then they're no longer. And, and this person did terrible things to someone I love that hurt. And because of relationships, 
between, you know, children, you still have to see that person on occasions, right? You still have to deal with that person. There's almost nothing good I can say about that person. There was a time when I actually entertained thoughts in my brain of like, if I could have somebody take this person out and I would never go to jail for it. But I, I, I know it's wrong. Right. I can't do that. You know, my flesh wanted to do that. My spirit says, no, you can't do that. You can't do you can't do something that's wrong. But you want to. Right. Because of what they did to you. Right. And um, so I had to pray and forgive. And I don't try to bring that stuff up. I try to leave that stuff buried. And I have to see him occasionally. And I try to be as friendly as possible. But I don't talk any more than I have to right. to that person. I don't get closer to them than I have to. I, I try to be around them as little as I can get away with because I don't like to be around that person. Right. Now, I still love them. I want the best for them. When they got the coronavirus, I prayed for them to get better. You know, I want the best for them, but I just don't want them around me. Our personalities are different. What they've done, I don't want to, I don't want to be around them. And is that okay? Do you think it's biblical to to do that? Do you think it's okay? I think it's biblical that people can can be at odds with one another. Paul and Barnabas had that argument before the missionary journey about John Mark, and they couldn't come to an agreement. So they canceled a journey they planned to do together, and they went on separate journeys. Was that a sin? No, God was glorified through what they did. We were not all alike. You know, we had, there's a lot of different reasons a person can have a legitimate clash with someone else, and it might not be sinful. The difference would be if I was unforgiving, if I was unwilling to forgive, and if I was to badmouth that person to everyone all the time, okay. and if I was to go around and publicize everything they did that other people don't know about to justify myself and my feelings about them. You know, those kinds of things are the things we're not supposed to do. So I refrain from doing those things, even though my flesh would like to, you know. Man, this is this is good stuff, man. <laughs> <laughs> I've had some personal experience with the topic, but I also need to be forgiven myself. So I, I, I keep in mind, you know, how much God loves me to forgive me. And I know all my sins. He knows all my sins. Right. And just because somebody else's sin is public or, you know, involves other people so that people know about it. I have one more big, heavy story, but we'll move on with the questions, make sure we get through everything we were going to talk about. Okay. But I can tell you another one. One of the main things that I try to tell people is we should be putting our trust in God and not in other people, per se, because I'll inherently just let you down, you know, and I don't even, I might not even mean to, uh, I'm just not able to do everything that I might think I could do or, or what have you. And it might be just out of ignorance. So I always ask for forgiveness for the things I do out of ignorance because there's sometimes I've overlooked something mm-hmm. and it might mean the world to whoever I've offended, but uh, right. it was in ignorance to me. So I even try to steer clear the terminology of, do you trust, do you put your trust in so, so-and-so? I'm like, I put mm-hmm. my trust in the Lord <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. Because people just will let you down whether they want to or not. Yeah. And part of the instructions that we, we have is that we're supposed to be trustworthy, right? As Christians, if someone has a shortcoming where you know that they're not reliable, 
you don't want to end up in a position where you have to then rely on a, on a person like that, right? I mean, I don't think it's a sin in a situation like that, you know, whatever the case may be, to just say, no, I'm not, I'm not going to make that person a part of this situation because I can't count on them. Right. And you're going to defer to someone else that you can count on. You know, that's, we're all human, but you also have things where, you know, it's important that you can count on that person when, you know, when a time comes and, and you, that can affect a relationship. It doesn't really have to do with being unforgiving of, you know, whatever past mistakes they might have made, but it's saying, I just don't have confidence right now in the present that you're going to come through on this thing. So I'm, I'm not going to count on you. Okay. I think that's okay. I think we've kind of already touched on this and you kind of already answered this, but is there any case in which a Christian doesn't have to forgive someone? Is there any circumstance, any situation, you know, if it goes against the word or, or something along those lines, is there anything like that that you notice? No, nothing that I can think of. Okay. No. I've only been reading the Bible for 50 years. <laughs> I've only read it to cover to cover maybe 30, 40, 50 times. I've only read seven different translations all the way through. So maybe I missed something. <laughs> but on top of my head, and I, I did a little search and it says, you know, forgiveness scriptures, and you come up with some blog post, and here's 20 of the best verses on forgiveness. Here's 30 of the best verses on forgiveness. Can't find any of those that tell me there's a place where I got the option to, to not. decide not to forgive. Okay. Just, <laughs> okay. just want to get that cleared out. Yeah. Any other thoughts? Even when you've forgiven someone, it can be a test. It can be a test. And um, I can't give details because I got to protect identities. But I can tell you this. There, there's been two people in my lifetime that, I, that I'd like to see dead. And, and this other person, for what they did, went to prison. Technically, if they were to serve all the time they were sentenced to, they'd still be there right now. And I'm close enough to the situation that I was involved when they first and second times that they were up for parole and asked for input and gave it. But I moved. I fell out of touch with the system and I didn't really know what happened. And today's day and age, I'm sure I could go online and find out exactly where this person is. But I chose not to. And one day my wife and I were out to dinner with a friend and in a restaurant and um, they saw somebody they knew and said, hey, you know, they're here with a, a friend of theirs. And we went over to their table and their friend was this person I hadn't seen in almost 30 years. Wow. My wife and I were both like recognized who he was in a few seconds time and said, hi, how are you? And walked out of the restaurant and sat in our car for a while. And that's who we thought it was. We got to tell some other people now that he's out. Wow. He's got to go tell his parole officer that he saw us because he's not even legally allowed. And um, that's a test when you say, have I really forgiven this person? Yes. That I didn't go after them, that I, that I didn't contact their PO right then and there. And I don't want this to sound like I'm proud or bragging because it's, it's a hard thing to do. But I, again, remind myself how much I've been forgiven and I'm not perfect. And I pray for this person. He's been forgiven by everybody that he hurt that I know of, you know, most directly. And we've prayed for him. And we hope that he's in the right place today, that this nothing like that would ever happen again to anybody else. 
But um, that's when you really know if you've forgiven somebody or not is is when you come face to face. Yes. Unexpectedly <laughs> with somebody you don't even know is out of jail yet. There's no such thing as coincidence. That's God working. Yep. And I asked someone else who's involved, you know, what would happen if you saw this person? And they said, I'd tell him he's forgiven, but I'd never want to see him again. And that's understandable. I mean, we are only humans and we're not anywhere near God's level of understanding and mercy. So I think that's one thing that we really have to be conscious of that, you know, I might work through some things today and then have to rework through some things tomorrow. Yeah. And that's the thing that that is the constant ebb and flow and the constant tug in this walk is to, okay, I, I did well on X, Y, and Z yesterday, but guess what? Today's a new day. I got to do well on X, Y, and Z today too. Even when we feel like we've overcome one thing, it's just an opportunity for God to show us something else we need to work on. It really is. No matter how many years you're on the journey, no matter how much you add to your knowledge and, and try to train yourself, if you're really honest and, and, and you're willing to let God show you your other shortcomings, you'll find out you've got some. Oh, yes. Nobody ever quits working. No. Nobody ever quits trying to do better in this life. Nope. And I've had some situations where I was like, yes, that's uh, I'm past that. And he's like, no, you're not. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I've learned to at least accept. I'm not going to say be happy with, but I'm going to say I've learned to accept being chastised because mm -hmm. if you're never, if, if your life just goes like in a perfect little stream, you should be worried. <laughs> you're right. You're right about that. Nobody ever arrives. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Because when I was not a Christian, my life seemed to just go like in that perfect little stream, you know, and that mm -hmm. you should be worried with your status at that point. But now it's like hurdle, hill, hurdle, bump, hill. The <laughs> mm -hmm. And I, I, I just had to come to the realization of, you know what, is this is part of the proving and the walk. So you've got to, you know, it's hard, but you got to get back up. Yeah. And, you know, one more little thing that relates to forgiveness. Everything that science might tell us is something that God put there in the first place. OK, so psychiatrists, psychologists, whatever would be the right term for them that will say, like, when you don't forgive someone, you're doing yourself harm. That's true because that's the way God made us. So <laughs> we need to listen to that advice, even if it doesn't say it that way in the Bible. Right. That's probably the reason he told us to do it, because if we're doing it, we're sparing ourselves some internal damage, you know, from stress and pain and, and those things that we would do to ourselves if we tried to hang on to all that stuff. Yes. You have to get rid of those burdens and, you know, or your life will just be miserable. Yes. And, and, and if you've ever known somebody who's a, an old, miserable person, a lot of times you'll find out they had some great trauma in their life that they never were able to overcome. Yep. Couldn't work through. And um, my dad had to go to AA, but man, afterward, he's, he's such a different person today. And he'll say one day at a time, <laughs> you know, that's the way, it, that's the way it works is one day at a time. It is. So that's where we all are. Well, this was really helpful for me on a personal level, Rick. Good. I hope that people listening found this to be extremely helpful as well. You can find us at standfirmmedia.com. Rick, thank you so much. 
You're welcome. That's going to do it for this edition of Candid Christian Conversations. For Rick, I'm Hank. We're signing off. If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to subscribe in your app of choice by heading to standfirmmedia.com slash subscribe.